we basically base our, our fee on utilization, right? It's a big proponent of us working with startups is hey, we don't want to be a burden on your cash flow. So as cash flow comes in, right? So they're off, we also, you know, are, are uh, invoicing or, or billing, right? For that time. So, so even though it could be 500 million, or something thereof, right? It doesn't all hit at once, right? You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hey folks, my guest today is Josh Lee. He's the founder of Ardius.com, which helps you automate R&D tax credits for companies that innovate. And he was the first M&A deal that Gusto did, which we'll talk about. Josh, you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Nathan. You bet. All right. Tax credits is a really interesting space. Main Street seems to be growing like wildfire. Boost AI in Canada also seems to be taking off. Were you sort of in that same space? Yeah, I actually started uh, back uh, at Ernst & Young, right? Uh, was my first... A real job out of college and went right into tax credits and incentives. So, yeah, for sure, we we started um, way back uh, in the early two thousand period, and so this is now all coming to light with uh, technology. So you, you, sorry, you you did not launch in twenty eighteen. You launched earlier than that. I was at Ernst and Young, which actually is where we where I first started, and so that's where uh, the genesis of you know learning about tax credits uh, and trying to automate the process started. But but RDS itself started in two thousand eighteen. I see. Okay. So you launch it in 2018. How much did you spend getting the MVP live? Actually, you know, uh, it was funny because right before that, uh, I was actually in the venture capital space. And so we had invested in about 23 plus companies. And so it was actually a function of servicing our own portfolio, right? That we actually came up with this because once people find out you're a CPA, naturally they want free advice. And so we actually took them to my former uh, big four. And they couldn't service us. We were just too small. Some of our companies were pre-revenue, and you know the you know the labor intensity and the bill rates were just too high for the startups to actually uh, afford. So that's why we actually came up with Ardius to help serve them. So you spin that out. Um, did did the did your firm that you were with take a percent of the business at the spin out, or did you own one hundred percent at the start? Oh, at, at the uh, well, the company itself. It was me and. Uh, another uh, two gentlemen who helped uh, the first MVP. This is summer of 2018, right? And so from there, we you know serviced our own portfolio of companies, and it wasn't much about the revenue so much. It was about hey, can this work? Um, and then we did take obviously a percentage of of the tax savings, the credits itself. So from a cash flow perspective, it 
wasn't a burden for the actual startups themselves. So it was a win-win in that regard. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Now, now, did you ever go, I mean, it's not, did you go full-time on this in 2019 at some point and really say, let's build a real business? Well, that was the funny part. So right after we, we finished with uh, this first portfolio, um, we had a couple of CPA firms approach us, people I, I had mentored, said, hey, Josh, we heard you're back in the game, right? The CPA game. I was like, no, I'm, I'm just doing this as a love project, honestly, right? And then from there, we had a couple other venture funds who we had co-invested with at the time. Uh, one in particular was Mucker, Mucker Capital here in LA. And Eric and Will saw this, right? Uh, who were the managing partners at Mucker. And we're like, hey, Josh, what are you doing exactly? And I was telling them about these credits. I was excited to share with them how much money we'd save for each of our startup companies. And they were looking at me and, and they were like, Josh, we have, you know, we're working on venture fund number four. We have three venture funds. We'd love to run our portfolio companies uh, through this as well. And we think you should go full-time. And it was actually based on their encouragement, right? That that we thought about it long and hard about, hey, why don't we just do this full-time and start, you know, Ardius uh, as not just a love project anymore, but an actual real startup. So did Mucker invest? They did. They wrote me the first check. Uh, it was it was more of them convincing my wife, who at the time was like, What? You wanna you know, become a founder again? That's that's absolutely nuts, right? But no, uh, but they were great. Uh, they wrote the first check and have uh, believed in it from from day one. So they've been. What great. was that? What was that check size? Uh, they have an accelerator program, so that check size was roughly about uh, two hundred thousand. Were you in that same accelerator as Alex at Ordermark, same cohort? Yeah, Alex Cantor, great, uh, good friend uh, with Mike Jacobs and that whole crew. So they actually were one of our first uh, clients. Oh, I uh, love from her. the beginning. Yeah, it's great, and so. Having been in restaurant tech ourselves, uh, or having some investments in those areas, it was great. Obviously, a big fan of Cantor's Deli as well, and and so we uh, we helped them with their their R and D credits. Uh, you know, not only in improving out some of the scalability right of the of the platform, but also they were a big proponent. They were working with TechStars at the time, uh, got us in front of TechStars. Uh, we worked with uh, their portfolio a lot, and so kind of going instead of going door to door started looking at some enterprise value, right? With the accelerator funds, uh, the venture funds around town, and even some other institutions that have, you know, a plethora of startups, right? That could actually use this. And, and that's the crazy thing, right? Alex had never heard of it. Most of these startup companies have never heard about the R&D credit, so. And what, so your model, what percent did you typically take of the savings? Right now we're averaging anywhere from 10 to about 30. And okay. I say that with a grain of salt, just because it depends on, Sometimes the size of the company, the complexities. Uh, we're also starting to, you know, discount further in in different cycles. So that first cycle is kind of a beast, right? We're trying to automate, create a framework, and then once we get past the first cycle, we can obviously have economies of scale, right, to go forward. So we also also uh, will look to do that. We're also looking into maybe tiering it, right, into maybe more of a a fixed uh, cost, right, depending on you know a variety of different variables, you know, raising a Series A, maybe being pre-funded. Uh, pre-revenue, things of that sort, but trying to be flexible. And again, the, the goal end goal here is to to get more credits into the hands of of companies that need it. So, and do you remember in the first year? I always like to ask first year questions. Do you remember how much, uh, like I guess, tax savings you got for founders in 2018? Oh wow, I, I know it was I know it was a benchmark when we hit our first uh, million, right? When was that? I mean, 2018. It, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, well, we started at the end of 2018, so this was in 2019. So okay, we hit so that mark, and then from one to 10 to, yeah, I think there was, I mean, we stopped losing track. It was almost like McDonald's, right? How many hamburgers have you served? 
And so it got to a certain point. We 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 hit certain milestones. We we celebrated, and then you know from there we just kept going. So, so so you broke ten million the same year in twenty nineteen in terms of tax savings. Yeah, for for tax savings. Yeah, I mean we had companies that came to us uh, that were in the three four million dollar range. So it was yeah we had a, a huge client like just that, the, the just one client alone, wow. uh, Nathan. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah, they were um, in manufacturing had never thought they would qualify. For the life of them, and we were actually able to go back, uh, you know, four or five years, right? Yeah, because yeah. it is a refundable credit, so we went back four or five years, and it culminated to about you know three, four million for federal and state credits. So it was a it was a huge win, yeah. And so, if you look at between your start date, your first deal, all the way up to today, have you guys passed five hundred million in tax savings? Well, that's a good question. I say I should go back. I, I Come honestly, on, you have to know that honestly, number. That's like that's like a magic moment. Yeah, I, I, you know, actually, if you if you had grabbed my colleague, uh, you know, Janice, she would actually be able to tell you. She keeps track of all the numbers, but I, I'm willing to guess. Yeah, we're, we probably would be pretty close, just because we have hit some pretty big hitters, right, in the Fortune 500 space, and so their credits get relatively large. Yep. Right. So I, I, I do believe we're probably close. I don't know if we've exceeded it, but we probably have come pretty close. That's pretty cool. Okay, yep. great. Um, let's a little bit more capital history here. Did you only raise the 200 grand, or did you raise more capital? We actually raised one other note. Um, we raised one convertible note. This was at the time, and you brought up, you know, Main Street. There was another um, company that was just starting to to raise capital. Right, we were uh, always profitable from day one, so we never really thought about raising beyond Mucker's first, uh, you know, investment. But you know, we were scaling, and uh, we were looking at, you know, a very you know linear growth. Like, hey, if we can build this in, you know. Twice the budget and half the time, let's do it, right? That kind of mentality. So we did go out and raise one other note, um, relatively small uh, to that end. And it was, a, it was an opportunity to almost, you know, you know uh, include and in, integrate folks who, who believed in us, you know, from, from 2018, 2019. So Hustle Fund came in, you know, Operate Studios here in, in OC, uh, Sterling Road, yeah. right? Uh, companies... You know that that backed us, AVG, uh, Alumni uh, Ventures. So they yes. all had portfolio companies. That was the one, you know, uh, you know, characteristic we were looking for that they could also offer this to their to their portfolio companies as well. And what was the total size of that second note? Uh, it was a million dollars. A million. Okay, so pretty capital efficient yeah. then. One point two million raised total. Yeah, I mean, we have our like I said, competitors out there raising it like you know half a billion dollar valuations, right? Or or in the hundreds of millions, and so. I thought relatively for what we were offering and in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the size that we were growing at relative to what they were raising at, it was, a, it was, it was fair. And also, you know, just in, in light of, uh, you know, the acceptance, I guess, in this market, it's pretty, pretty hot, but, you know, with FinTech, I call it tax tech, right. It's kind of brand new. And so people trying to understand what credits are and trying to automate that it, it's still relatively new. Mm-hmm. I think uh, in, in that space. So. Yeah. So, so what um, before the Gusto acquisition? So, right up to that, how much? What was the total team size? We were at roughly uh, fifteen. Okay. At the time, yeah, we're we're currently uh, of the of the fifteen. We had uh, half. Okay. So was it was it a tech heavy product? I mean, really, you're basically reading thousands of pages of tax code and trying to figure out how to automate that for folks, right? Was it was it heavy tech? It is. Yeah. And so I think. Tax is one of those areas that that we feel are most conducive for software, right? Because the tax code, internal revenue code, changes all the time, 
right? Mm-hmm. And it actually makes a lot of sense to, to, you know, to change and program that at the top level and then disseminate that down to, you know, our, our customers or clients, mm-hmm. right? So it doesn't matter, Republican, Democrat, who's in office, it's going to change, right? And so now we can kind of make those adjustments up front. And we feel that there's a digital footprint, right? If you look at QuickBooks, right, payroll information like Gusto, right, there's information in there that we can actually flag, right, that's a good indicator, right, of things that could potentially qualify, right, for the credit. Uh, tax returns are the same way, right? They give rise to, hey, I think you might qualify for this. You're in this demographic. You're in this location. You have this job title. All these different things I think we can connect into you know, a platform and really be able to, to at least identify or discover things that we've missed. Many of you guys listening have built incredible SaaS tools to help other founders, specific industries, really get value or make some system easier. The problem is you can't help your clients until they import some portion of their data. And you've considered on your Trello board and your Sprint timelines, spending weeks building a CSV importer for certain data sets. You're smiling right now because you know I'm right. And either you do it and you waste engineering time or you don't do it and your customers have a horrible time getting onboarded. And listen, let's face the facts. Your ability to give value to your customers sometimes is very dependent on their ability to get you their data. Once you have the data, everything is really smooth. Well, this exact problem probably explains why FlatFile is growing so quick. They've raised over $44 million and they do exactly this. The data onboarding platform for your marketing teams, your engineering teams, they enable you to get usable data faster so you can focus on what matters most to your business. And the fastest growing companies like my friend ClickUp, Zeb, multi-billion dollar valuation, they all use FlatFile. Now, FlatFile reached out, they wanted to sponsor. I said, you got a good deal for us? And they do. For anyone listening, any anyone that's part of the top entrepreneurs community or get latka you can get a deal now to get started today at nathanlatka.com forward slash flat file and they make it so easy by the way their onboarding is beautiful you don't have to commit to a bunch of stuff you can actually see a demo live instantly right now check it out nathanlatka.com forward slash flat file Looking, you know, back to 2018, if you feel like you're sort of maybe flirting with that 500 million in tax credits sort of awarded today and your low end is 10%, I mean, could I take 10% times 500 million? It's 50 million bucks in total revenue over three years. Well, there's a timing difference, right? Nathan? So in this case, like we were of the mindset and the model, like we didn't, you know, do the big four model where we charge an upfront retainer and, you know, we charge everything up front. So for us, there is a timing difference. So I want to take, you know, caveat that we basically base our, our fee on utilization, right? It's a big proponent of us working with startups is hey, we don't want to be a burden on your cash flow. So as cash flow comes in, right? So they're off, we also, you know, are, are uh, invoicing or, or billing, right? For that time. So, so even though it could be 500 million or something thereof, right? It doesn't all hit at once, right? So for why example, wouldn't the founders, if you, if you told them at Artius that a founder could get a million dollars, why wouldn't they draw down that million from the government immediately? Yeah. So some examples could be, you know, the way you utilize credits are in two major pathways. One is if you're utilizing it against payroll or sorry, your income tax, right? That's an easy one. It's right away. So you're right. So for those, you could be a large company that's profitable. If I save you a hundred grand, right? You're going to get a hundred thousand dollar credit. Then we can invoice right away. Right. In instances where let's say you're a pre-revenue company, right? You have no profitability, right? There's another pathway where the IRS will allow you to offset that against your payroll taxes, 
Mm. Right. And so your payroll taxes, right, um, come every quarter, right? It's being filed. And so you may have a credit of, let's say, a million dollars, but your payroll taxes may not hit that million dollars, right? Until year number two, three, or four, right? So that comes in time. And so, therefore, you know, if you're only hitting, let's say, 50,000 per quarter, Right, you may only use two hundred thousand in credits for that I, one. I see, so I see. Yeah, you're identifying what the total credit base is, and then the founders are saying, "Okay, we have enough income here where it's worth offsetting with this portion of the tax credits Artius and Josh have given me." But they're not going to do it all today. They might do some 2022, 2023, etc. Right, yeah, and so that's where we we want to grow with startups as well, right? So the fact that they can take this money back or raise around or you know hire more people, right? The more people, the more payroll tax, right? The more payroll tax. The quicker they utilize their tax credits. Yeah. So, what was revenue in 2020 before the sale? Oh, that's a good question. That's uh, that's something that we're we're not at uh, liberty to dis- discuss. <laughs> were, were you past the million dollar run rate, the magical moment there? Uh, we were close. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, Fair enough. Sure. And then, as we wrap up here, why was it the right time to exit? You know, I think it was the the right partner, right? I think with with us, uh, Gus has been been ahead of the curve in terms of like you know automating. The R and D credit itself, number one, uh, having the vision of integrated and embedded payroll, number yeah. two, right, and then us being a, uh, you know, being able to access that information, being able to identify customers, right, that qualify for the credit that have not taken the credit, right. So all these different things, having access to that information together, made a lot of sense, uh, and we thought we could accelerate, right, just because our alternative might have been a Series A raise you know and to scale a lot of that would be you know for for marketing for for getting in front of customers but they already had all the customers yeah right? it was a yeah. big big deal for us so. what were you i mean you're you come from vc so you probably know this well if you were going to do a series a how much would you raise and what valuation do you think you could have raised at our target was somewhere close to probably about 10 was what we were thinking about raising 10 million on a right? what about, or something yeah that was the thing we were all over the place we got offers uh Anywhere at a fifty million, a hundred million. I mean, even one that was uh, above that as well. So yeah. it could have been all over the place. Um, again, depending on terms, right? So what do you so, do? You take that. You take the term sheet with the highest valuation and say, "Gusto, pay this amount, and we won't go raise a Series A." No, I, I think I think it, we were at a different place, right? I mean, there, again, there was nobody that was literally on our cap table yeah, at the yeah. time, right? We had a convertible note at best, and so. Yeah it was easy for us to make a decision quicker and faster. So we didn't really have to worry about valuations right at that time. So. All right, Josh, good stuff. Let's close with the famous five. Number one, favorite book. Favorite book um, is by John Maxwell. Right? Which one? Uh, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. One of my first uh, business books that I still have on my desk or in my bookshelf here in the back. So number love, two, love, love that book. Is there a CEO you're following or studying? Uh, see, so yeah, well, he's a good friend of mine. His name is Kevin Chu. Um, you know, was the CEO of Kabam, right, in the gaming space, and now is doing I don't know how many ventures. Is you know founded uh, Gen G, which is probably the you know number one uh, esports team, and now doing a company called Rally in the areas of you know NFT and and in blockchain and all that stuff. So I I, I love what he's doing. I always have, uh, and following a lot of his stuff. So. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building the business? Oh, it's got to be Gusto and Artius. Come on. No, man. no, it can't be Gusto. I, I, I can't do it. What's that? Um, 
Number one, so tool. That's a good question. I, I have my go-to playbook. I mean, we always use like HubSpot, right, for CRM. What do you right? use for like data ingestion? Do you use anything like FlatFile? Uh, we've tried a couple other things. I mean, uh, one, uh, the one tool I love, 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 I'll give them a plug is Carbon. Carbon? Carbon, yeah. Carbon HQ. I, I think they're really conducive for the back and forth chatter between a, uh, you know, a potential client, customer, and you know, sorting out through lots of information. Uh, I think they're, they're, yeah, they're great for organizing information, uh, following threads, right? Obviously Slack is, is doing that on a more real time and eliminating emails, but I think carbon is a good, good solid, um, you know, roadmap and framework for actually organizing data and information. Very cool. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Oh man. Well, that's not fair. Cause I have four kids. Oh so, my gosh. So aside from the startup world, um, you know, being a dad of four. So I'm probably averaging about six. That's not bad for four. It kids. isn't bad. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that again is, it fluctuates from probably four to eight, but I'm averaging six. So married four kids. And, uh, how old are you, Josh? I'm in my four, uh, just, uh, turned 41, 41. That's exciting. So I'm in my forties. Yeah. I heard the average age of a startup founder now is 45. Or the yeah, you're, you're, so you're I'm, I'm, you know, I felt like a dinosaur when I started, but now no, I'm feeling like, you. Uh, you know, it's all ahead of you. All right. Last question. What's something you wish you knew when you were 20? Well, what, what's something I wished that when I was 20, something you wish you knew when you were 20. Oh, you know, so I wish I had taken more risks, right? I mean, I, I started with Ernst and young was there for 14 years and by all accounts, I thought I was going to be a historian there or a lifer. And so it got really comfortable, really fast, right? Great job, great people, great firm. Um, but fell in love with the startup world in my thirties. Right. And I've never looked back. And I wish someone had come to me and said, Hey, maybe, maybe take a few more chances. Right. It's, what's the worst that could happen? You could always go back to your, your nine to five or a really good paying job. But I mean, I, there's, yeah, there's nothing I would trade like, you know, doing what I do now. Guys, tax credit company Artius recently sold to Gusto, got started in 2018, serving as portfolio companies, eventually spun it out with three co-founders, took it live in 2018, and in 2019, broke the 10, 20, 30 million, before you know it, 50, 60 million in tax credits identified for these firms, flirting with a $500 million number there now as they've teamed up full-time with Gusto. They were looking at maybe doing a series A in 2020 and said, you know, instead of raising like a 10 on a 50 or hundred, it makes more sense to partner up with Gusto and keep building. We'll see what happens next. Josh, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks for having me, Nathan. Appreciate it.